You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Robert, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tony, and we are doing the race preview of the Willow 300 sled dog race that starts tomorrow here in my town of Willow, Alaska. It's known as the mushing capital of the world. Tony, let's jump right into this. Uh, It's going to be an interesting weekend, isn't it? We are facing 40 degrees today. Lots of (laughs) melt, a little bit of overflow in the front yard. Everything is sloppy. It is going to be an interesting week for the race. What are people talking about in regard to the weather? Um, everyone was talking about it from the vet checks today. Um, that's how I actually knew you guys were so warm. Uh, it looks like it was somebody clocked it at 41 degrees at the vet check today. And that was this morning. I don't even think that was the second group that had their vet checks in the afternoon. So that's gonna, I think, slow the race down considerably between dealing with overflow and sloppy, slushy trail. But just the fact that you're talking way too warm for these winter coat dogs. Yeah, and and I even seen some folks on, on Facebook saying, "Hey, do you have any rain gear I can bother? bother <laughs> uh, I can borrow uh, because of of just how sloppy it is." And it, like you said, it it is warm, and if it stays this way, and I think it's supposed to be uh, up to mm-hmm. the um, up to those higher temperatures at least through Friday here in, in Willow. But of course, it gets colder. Uh, in the swamps and on the rivers and all that. But we talked about on one of our previous episodes about the moose holes and how dangerous those Mm -hmm. can be, especially on the Copper Basin. And that's going to be prevalent on this race as well because a lot of that snowpack is going to be melting and those holes are usually right underneath where those snow machines have packed down. Am I remembering correctly that in the last week or so they had to adjust the trail a bit, uh, they are not going on their original route. Is that right? Yeah. You know, they kept it very tentative all throughout January as to what their, uh, trail was going to look like. And they have adjusted a little bit and they made a note when they did that, that was about four hours ago. Oh my gosh. Sorry about that. Um, Let's see. Yeah, they um, they they are still going, I think, to all of the checkpoints. It's just how they're getting there uh, is going to be a little different than um, what they normally uh, were planning to do. But it, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything that suggests that they will have changed it again. However, they're doing their musher meeting tonight. So we may find out tomorrow morning that things have changed again. Yeah, and that mushroom meeting for folks that uh, are not familiar, that is uh, a very important part of any mushing event. That's where they talk about the trail, they talk about the checkpoints, they talk about any hazards out there and all that. And almost all the time, I cannot think of a time when I have been involved with a race 
that a person is allowed to miss the mushroom eating and still be able to take part in the race. And I know that the Willow 300 was big time on vet checks this year. They wanted to make sure that everybody was at vet checks. Now at other races, this is an important to note, at other races, sometimes they allow the mushers to have their own vet check and have their own vet sign off on all their dogs and, you know, just produce the paper that says, my vet says I'm good to go. But if I'm remembering correctly, Willow 300, they required everybody to be there. Is that right? Yeah, they, they want everyone there. Most of the smaller races, they require you to still come to the vet check unless there's extenuating circumstances but that's why Amanda Otto had to bow out of the Copper Basin because she couldn't make it to vet check in time, even though they were going to give her more leeway after hitting the caribou. All they needed to do was get her to Willow so that somebody could drive her over uh, to the Copper Basin. That didn't happen in enough time for a vet check to happen before the start of the race. You typically see the um, mushers using their own vet check with their own vet with Iditarod and the Quest. And that's kind of where Hugh Neff got into trouble a few years ago with the 2018 race. Um, There were concerns about some of the dogs at the very beginning of the race where they would not have passed a vet check with the Quest team, but they passed through his own vet. So I don't know if that's necessarily why all of these races are going more towards, no, we have to be able to say yay or nay to these dogs, or if it's just something just makes it easier than trying to deal with even more paperwork at a very busy time when people are registering and they have to sign all of the promotional swag and they have to go to these meetings and they have to sign liability forms. It's just one less piece of paper that they have to deal with um, is my guess as to why they do it. Not necessarily because of something that happened in, in another race somewhere else. So this race is exciting because it is a mass start race and they start at uh, the Willow Lake uh, where the Iditarod restart happens. I know last year or maybe it was the year before uh, they started over at Deshka Landing, if my memory serves. But a mass start is crazy, cool, chaos, any adjective you can think of in mushing. That's what a mass start is. And it literally means that they... They say it's go time, and you have uh, 26 teams, I guess, uh, 25 teams for the Willow 300. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Willow 150 after we talk about our mushers in this race. But we have upwards of 30-plus teams all taken off at the same time across this lake. And it's interesting, if you know about Iditarod, it's interesting that the mm-hmm. lake is probably, I don't know, three-quarters of a mile long or so. And then it immediately goes into a very narrow chute, which ends up Mm -hmm. on a residential street. And you run along the side of this street on the trail on the the right side. (laughs) And then you get on to to several large lakes. But when you have 30 plus teams all jockeying for position across three quarters of a mile, it can be (laughs) crazy at that bottleneck. And I am just so surprised that there has never been 
any major issues because you're having to brake and drag and, you know, it's driving. That's what dog driving is all about. It's a fun event to see, isn't it? I, you know, it's one of those things that if I ever do make it up there, I would love to see it. I know that Julia Reddington, she typically brings her camera out and shoots that. And I think the first year she did that, she decided she wanted to shoot from across the lake there near the bottleneck until she realized, oh, crap, that's a lot of teams coming my way and there's not room for them to go around me. Um, so that was a really funny story from a few years ago. And I've been run over by a dog team running full speed. It's not fun. So, you know, if you do go out to the start, make sure to, to stand back from where they're trying to go through that little shoot because it, it's not fun. The recovery is long and you look like a prune with all the purple and, and all of that. But yeah, the, the math start. One thing I will say is I've noticed in um, recent years, especially the teams, there are some teams that hold back. The Barringtons typically hold back. Other teams hold back. They let the, the front runners, the crazy people go first, and then they'll sit and maybe wait a couple minutes and then they can go, which is totally legal in the rules. Um, if for any reason a team does not feel comfortable going at the word go, they're not penalized for it. It's it's up to them. I mean, they're they're just starting a couple minutes late, but the clock starts when they say go. Their race has started whether or not their dog has taken off yet. So um, I, I think that does help a little bit with the bottlenecking, and, and you'll see that. It's not like at the Cuscoquim 300 where, you know, they start on the, the ice and they can they have that widening before they have to finally bottleneck onto the trail they've got time to make that like you said there's less than a mile for them to for 30 teams to get across that lake and and into some sort of position yeah and it's amazing i've only been a part of just a couple of mass starts in in my mushing career and that's that's driving for sure so we mentioned it in the willow 300 that there are 25 dog teams there is an honorary musher at number one. I know you asked this on social media today, but is that Lance Mackey as the honorary? Uh, I knew that it was Lance Mackey. It's actually confusing because they, uh, they're they starting the bib numbers at two, but they did not totally retire. I don't think they've totally retired the bib number 13, but bib number 13 isn't actually on the roster. It goes from bib 12 to, to 14, and that is also in honor of Lance. I asked for clarification to see if that's a permanent thing. Didn't hear back from the race. They're pretty busy today with vet checks and musher meetings. So I, I don't, you know, I didn't expect to get an answer, honestly. Um, so there's 24 teams. It's, a, it's just a little misleading because they do have two bid numbers missing out of that list. Yes. And I just noticed that. So that, that is interesting. Not, not, not a number one, not a number 13. So I remember yeah. way back in, in early summer, right. When, um, Lance passed. We we put it up on on social media that they should retire number thirteen, and maybe they they're taking us up on it, at least on this race for sure. <laughs> this is an Iditarod qualifier. It is a three hundred mile race, and we are going to talk about that one fifty in a second. But we have quite the field here, and I know that there was some jockeying back and forth at the last minute with some big name mushers, including Ramy Smith, who looks like 
He jumped in at the stroke of midnight, if he you did. will, uh, right he before did. the entries closed. He is the uh, the last bib number there at 26. But Ramey Smith is on there, as well as Jason Mackey, the Barrington Twins, Travis Beals, Nick Petit, uh, Eric Kelly, Jason Mackey, name them all. Who, who are your favorites? Um. All of the ones that you just mentioned, and, and then some. Uh, we, we need to mention Dan Caduce in that. We need to um, also mention Mila Porcel, though she has said on the race Facebook page not to pick her for the winning musher because she's planning on training young dogs. I don't trust any musher who says anything like that. We've seen it with Nick Petit way too many times, and he's not the only one that plays those mind games. Um, so if you're asking me who my top three are, I'd go with Nick Petit, Dan, and then Travis Fields, who is a latecomer as well. He and Nick both were supposed to run the Cuscoquim 300 this weekend, but they decided uh, there was just not enough time to get the logistics in order. Nick, of course, just won the Copper Basin a couple weekends ago, and he didn't feel that there was enough recovery time, plus getting all of his drop bags done and whatnot. So he came to a race that starts two days earlier. I, I don't, whatever, it's whatever, Nick. Um, and then Travis, I guess, is doing some renovations on his house and kennel, and that's taken longer. So he and Sarah decided not to run the Cusco. He's running the Willow 300. I don't expect him to be far down in the standings. I expect him to be one of the top teams. And we have several rookies in this race and several teams that uh, are part of bigger kennels. I'm looking here. Uh, we have a couple of teams from C the CB Kennels. We have a couple of teams mm -hmm. from uh, Dream Big Kennel. And we have a couple of teams from, of course, the Seeing Double Racing, which is the Barrington Twins. So your top <laughs> three, you said, were uh, Dan, Travis, and who? Who was the third one? And Nick. And Nick. Nick Petit. Okay. The king. <laughs> yes. I am going to go very similar to that. I'm going to say Nick, Dan, and I'm going to say Ramey in my top three, just mm -hmm. because he is always a, a force to be reckoned with. These are on his home trails, yeah. so to speak. He's on the same trail system as, as I am on the other side of the highway, but uh, he is no stranger to, to these trails for sure. So that is our field for the 300. Now let's talk briefly about the, the 150. My first question to you is, is that an Iditarod qualifier as well? It is. It is an Iditarod qualifier. They have to, of course, um, let the race know at the musher meeting that they are planning on it being one of their qualifiers. So there are several teams that are using that as their shorter race qualifier. And it looks like there are eight or nine teams in the um, in the in the 150. Emily Robinson and Walter Robinson. I believe that that's uh, dad daughter, if I if I remember correctly, uh, are are running that race as well. Then we have a kennel from or a team from Nick's kennel and another shameless husky. Uh, uh, team. They're also running in the 300. And a couple of folks that you did not know much about. You don't have any <laughs> info about them. So yeah. some dark horses in, in the 150. Is that right? It is. 
is, yeah, you know, there's one musher. I can't find anything on them other than this race. Uh, and so I just have their name. And then another one, I've got their Facebook page, but I don't know if they're running their own dogs, if they're running for another kennel. So it's, it's a little interesting. That's kind of what we see in these smaller races. Uh, but it's, it's exciting. You've got Emily Robinson, as you mentioned. She's a junior musher. They've opened it up to allow junior mushers in the 150. Normally, they just run the Willow uh, Junior 100 mile race. But if you can prove that you are able to keep up with the big boys, they've allowed juniors this year. And Emily certainly has proven that she can do it. She won the eighth race there in December. So she's she's not shy of showing just how competitive she is. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, Emily and Walter as as uh, as my guys and gals to watch, and then I think that uh, the kennel from t- uh, Nick's team. I and I cannot pronounce that name. Do you want to give it a shot? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not going to be the one to butcher it. <laughs> that, 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 that's a tough one. And then also uh, Samantha Ladonde, I believe is how you say that, from Rhino Kennel. Uh, that should be an interesting one to watch. That's typically mm-hmm. an Iditarod or Quest Kennel, uh, and, and they're always a, mm-hmm. a fun bunch to watch. But just looking through these, we had talked about the top. Uh, the, the weather will really play into this, and I see a lot of furry dogs on these uh, teams that we're talking about. Uh, We don't have any sleek sprint type dogs, at least from my understanding from a lot of these kennels. A lot of these are uh, more traditional looking Huskies, aren't they? They are. Yeah. I mean, just because it's 150, don't think that they're a different breed of dog. They're just, they're the same as what's racing the 300 and what will be racing. I did a rod and quest. There are quite a few of these teams that are, finishing up their qualifiers to jump into the Yukon Quest 300 and the Yukon Quest 550. So it's, it's going to be an interesting, I was asked today when I thought a finish was going to happen. Typically it's Friday into Saturday. I'm still thinking that, but it could just be Saturday, Sunday for this. I know they're trying, they try not to be running too much, on those trails on the weekend, just because it's a busy time of year for those trails with snow machine skiing, bike door, dog sleds. Um, but I think that it, I think this is going to be a slower race. It's going to have to be. The dogs are going to need to rest during the day more. They're going to, you know, it is a 300 or a 150, so they can kind of tough it out a little bit better than if it's I did a rider quest. But I expect the the mushers to hold back. Yep. I, I agree with you. That's, that's a great report there as well. Uh, are they doing the, um, the trackers on this race? They will. They haven't, uh, the link hasn't gone live yet. That typically happens after the musher meeting when, uh, they're able to get back and punch that all in, but it should be on trackleaders.com tomorrow morning starts at 10. They'll also hopefully have a live feed on their Facebook page for the start. I, I recommend looking up, trying to find a live feed for that because, like we said earlier, a mass start, it's just total chaos and awesomeness and definitely go looking. And if they don't have the live feed, they'll definitely have fans showing off uh, their their amateur videos. For sure. After the race. 
For sure. And guys, uh, we have a very busy weekend of recording shows. We're, <laughs> we're going to uh, talk about the Cusco 300. We're going to talk about the Bear Grease uh, this week. And we're also going to do our recaps. And our first recap will be <laughs> the Willow 300. And that, I believe, is going to air on Monday night. So stay tuned to our feed. And if you have not done it, hit that subscribe button and you will never miss an episode. And in Almost 14 years, Tony, aside from Iditarod, we have never done <laughs> race previews and race recaps until this year. So we, it is testing our uh, podcasting chops <laughs> and, uh, and, and we haven't burned out yet. So we're still moving along. So hopefully we, we get it going. So everybody, thanks for listening and stay tuned for our upcoming previews and recaps. Talk to you guys later. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.